This is A Fresh Agenda. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity and generate your deepest work. Here's your host, Christina Mendonza. This is A Fresh Agenda, where we chat with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I'm Christina Mendonza. Welcome to this tiny spot in the podcast universe. I'm glad to have you here for a while. This podcast is about having some deeper and more positive conversations on topics of creativity and motivation to explore how people create or build businesses or innovate in their industries. This is episode number 76, and we're going to talk today to Dr. David Sinclair. He's a Harvard professor. He studies anti-aging. He has been on Joe Rogan's show and all over the place. He has a new book. It's called Lifespan, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have To. First, a bit about wrapping up the month of November. It is the National Month of Gratitude. With Thanksgiving coming up so quickly, I thought I'd mention this study on the concept of gratitude. This comes out of UC Davis and University of Miami. So psychologists, Dr. Robert Emmons and Dr. Michael McCullough published this study that looked at physical outcomes of practicing gratitude. One third of the subjects in the study were asked to keep a daily journal of things that happened during the week for which they were grateful. Another third was asked to write down daily irritations or things that just generally piss them off. And the third group was asked to write down daily situations and events with no emphasis on either positive or negative emotional attachment. At the end of the 10-week study, each group was asked to record how they felt physically and generally about their life. And the group that focused on gratitude, as you would expect, felt much more optimistic and positive about their lives. They were more physically active. They reported fewer visits to the doctor. And brain analysis out of UCLA shows that gratitude lights up the anterior cingulate cortex and medial prefrontal cortex, those parts of the brain associated with moral and social cognition, reward empathy, and value judgment. And this led to the conclusion that the emotion of gratitude supports a positive and supportive attitude toward others and relieves stress. Three things you can do to reap the benefits of gratitude today. Keep a daily journal of things you're grateful for. List at least three. The best time for writing in that journal is either in the morning as soon as you wake up or right before you go to bed. Make it a point to tell people in your life that you appreciate them on a daily basis. And when you look in the mirror each morning, give yourself a moment to think about a quality you like about yourself, something you've recently accomplished. One of those, such simple stuff, I know, but you know, we all need reminders once in a while. And I want to tell you about a product that I love that helps me with all of this. Now, these folks are not sponsors, although I would love for them to be sponsors one day. The product is called Passion Planner. Look it up. It's a personal, professional calendar. But I think it's of particular use for people in creative fields because it forces you not only to plan your week, but it guides you through some bigger picture analysis of more long-term goals. My oldest daughter and I love ours. And that's actually where the name of this podcast came from. When I got my new passion planner in 2017 and I opened it up for the first time, I thought, ah, a fresh agenda. That's what I need in my life. I'm looking at my 2020 planner right now, the passion planner I just got in the mail. I already have several dates to write down in it, trips I'm taking next year, events where I'll be emceeing or speaking, and it comes in a bunch of pretty colors. Mine is a gorgeous forest green, and I sent my oldest daughter one in a pretty shiny black for Christmas. 
A word also about my sponsor, my actual sponsor for today, mycecourse.com. It is a multimedia education option for state compliance, professional growth, and engagement. The courses are deep dives into specialized subjects while meeting all curriculum and legal requirements. The custom LMS platform allows certification with the nation's most respected HR, legal, and state insurance agencies. So I know you've all had to do that mandatory sexual harassment training at work. It's so boring. You sit there for a half an hour, 45 minutes. This is not that. These are actual films that are interesting and informative, relatable, reliable, and they're targeted with their storytelling. We just finished an educational documentary on sex trafficking. It's been picked up by several trade groups, and our documentary on sexual harassment was just endorsed by the California Dental Board. All right. Who wants to live forever? Or what if I did tell you that you could live well past 100 and feel fantastic? Dr. David Sinclair says, it's not only possible, it's inevitable for humans. Dr. Sinclair, a professor of genetics at Harvard Medical School, is one of the most well-known researchers on the field of rejuvenation. We talk about the three biological clocks of human beings and how science can now control two of those clocks and is closing in quickly on the third. Enjoy my conversation with Dr. David Sinclair. Dr. Sinclair, what are you working on right now, like this week or this month um, in your labs that has you particularly excited? Oh, well, it turns out that there's a, there's a clock in all of our cells that we can measure, and I could take your blood and tell you quite accurately how old you are biologically, not chronologically. And we've been working on a couple of things. What drives that forward? Why do we age? Uh, and also, I think most excitingly, uh, how do we reverse that clock and get back uh, the youthful function of our tissues and our organs? So when did you start thinking about aging? I know you grew up in Australia. When was it you turned your focus um, onto that as you were a young researcher? Uh, well, I've been thinking about this my whole life since I was four years old when I learned that people actually get sick and die and... Uh, I've been, I got a PhD when I was in my 20s, and I've been uh, researching aging ever since. And uh, yeah, so I'm 50 now, so I've been doing this for quite a while. I was reading a report uh, earlier this week that says that, like, for the third year in a row, the life expectancy for American men has dropped. Once again, it's down another four months. Um, and they attribute deaths to suicide, drugs, kind of death by despair. Um, as you're working so hard to try to um, elongate our lives or teach us how to do that and find medical um, medical cures for that, you maintain a very high level of optimism within your book. When you hear numbers like that, is that discouraging? Uh, yeah, of course. It's terrible. Um, while other countries continue to increase their longevity, a child born today is estimated, uh, at least in Japan, to have a good chance of making it to 107 Meanwhile, here in the U.S., we have all sorts of things that are limiting uh, the, the benefit that medical progress is giving us, and it includes opioids and guns and depression. Uh, obesity is limiting what we can do. But, you know, that said, I, I still think that one of the biggest problems we have in society uh, is aging itself. The aging process gives rise to most diseases that kill us, and while there's a blip, I think, in uh, in lifespan in this country, it won't be that way forever. Um, 
and the kind of things that we're working on in my lab and my colleagues uh, will eventually lead to much healthier, longer lives. I've heard you say, and I've watched a bunch of your lectures, that there are basically eight or nine causes of aging. What are some of those causes? And and is there a unifying cause? Yeah, there's a laundry list, uh, like you say, about eight causes of aging, probably the hallmarks of aging. Uh, some of them are well-known, things like the end of chromosomes get shorter, the telomeres. We have fewer stem cells. Uh, we have senescent cells, which are zombie cells that accumulate in our body. But uh, in, in the book that I just put out called Lifespan, I've, I've come up with a theory that I think can explain why all of those things happen. And perhaps this is the singular upstream cause of aging that can explain it all. In fact, uh, I, I boldly propose and perhaps controversially say that aging can be basically summarized into just a short sentence, even even a mathematical equation. That unifying cause, I understand, because I've read your book. It was great, by the way. And there's so much there within it that, uh, I mean, is valuable to to one's life right now. But you basically say it's the loss of information. It's um, it's like almost like a, like a computer or like digital uh, uh, bits and pieces that get lost throughout our lives. It, exactly. It, it, you could think of our body like a computer where we have the actual computer, which is our uh, our genome, but then there's the software, and we call that the epigenome. And I'm proposing that the software uh, become lost and muddled. And uh, what we're, we've been looking for for a number of years now is, is there a backup hard drive? Can we reboot the cell so that it now act like it was young again. And do you think we can do that? I know a lot of the um, a lot of the experimentation right now is done on mice. I mean, I'm assuming because that's the safest and economical way to do it. Um, but uh, I mean, how how closely do they correlate to the human body? And and what can we learn from from those kinds of experimentations? Yeah, you're right. That that the very cutting edge research, uh, such as reprogramming the body to be young and rebooting the cell. That's still being done in the lab. We, we don't have medicines yet. And it's, it's, it's at least five years away before we know if this is ready for prime time. Uh, but the good news is that we've been doing this for quite a while, my colleagues and I. And there are clinical trials that are in the late stages. So we already have a pretty good idea that some of our technologies already uh, in the form of pills, uh, do actually rejuvenate the body and uh, reverse some aspects of aging. So this is, uh, you know, people say, oh, is this science fiction? Well, no, it, it's actually science fact right now, and it's coming faster than almost anybody is aware of, and that's the reason that I wrote the book, because I want people to know what they can do in their lives now and what will be possible just in a few years from now. Right. And you make uh, you make all kinds of recommendations in the book, like non-supplementation recommendations. And I just want to mention just one or two of them. Uh, the 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 thought of um, of getting out of our temperature zone. Um, you know, I know that I, I love to take saunas. You, you were talking about how you like to do the same thing in the book or, or you know, dip into a, a cold shower or a cold pool every once in a while. What does that do for for our DNA and for our bodies? Yeah, there's a concept in biology called hormesis, and it basically means that what doesn't kill us makes us live longer. And what's going on is that 
in our daily lives, if we sit around and we eat constantly, we have three meals a day, our bodies don't try hard enough to defend themselves against disease. And we just live a standard lifespan or, or worse. We get sick when we're young or we get cancer. But what we've realized is that our bodies are very good at healing and preventing diseases, but they only bother doing that when it's, the body is uncomfortable. It needs to be in a state of uh, shock. We need to trick the body into thinking that times are tough. So you can do that by being out of breath, running on a treadmill, going for a walk, uh, being hungry part of the day, that'll trick the body, and being hot and cold. I, I think there's growing evidence that that is also one way to promote this hormesis effect that should boost health and ultimately our longevity. In, in the um, in the supplementation world, there have been a couple of supplements that have gotten a, a lot of um, exposure, uh, but people don't really know really, unless they read your book, um, they don't know really what to think of them. I, I want to talk to you about NMN. Tell me what that is and how um, it's useful for some people. Right. So there are protective processes in our body that respond to adversity, as I just mentioned. And there's a group of them, uh, a family of genes, actually, called the sirtuin. And we've been working on them for now close to 30 years. And these genes don't work unless they have a molecule in the body called NAD. So, so we naturally make this molecule called NAD. We have a lot of it in the body one of the most abundant molecules. Um, and it's used for chemical reactions, but it, it's also used to tell the body when to fight diseases and to when to fight aging. But the problem is, as we get older, we have less and less of this molecule, and our body's defenses, orchestrated by the sirtuins, becomes less and less. And even if we exercise and we eat healthy, they don't stay very active. So what we think we, we can do uh, is to boost the levels of NAD. And so the, the molecule called NMN, which is a supplement, uh, is known to raise NAD levels in people. And we're still doing the, the human studies to see what benefits we, we can have. But in the animal studies in the lab, it's quite remarkable. We can uh, turn back the clock in the mice and old mice can, can run about 50% further on a treadmill and a variety of other be of health benefits. So we're hopeful that by raising an AD back up to youthful levels, we'll have some health benefits and possibly live longer as well. Have you seen any um, any negative side effects from raising NAD levels, either in mice or just anecdotally in people? Uh, no. Well, there are studies we've done to look at cancer, which is the one that um, people worry about if you're boosting blood flow and, and uh, reversing aging, the worry is that you might start a cancer or make it worse. And so we've looked into that. In my lab, we've done a couple of experiments in, in mice looking at breast cancer and liver cancer, and we didn't see any downsides. Um, anecdotally, we haven't seen any health issues, and we've been doing clinical trials looking at the safety of these molecules in the hospital setting for the last couple of years and nothing has surfaced. But I do want to emphasize that this is a molecule, though it's in the body, it's usually not in very high levels, and the levels that we are giving people are much higher 
than you'd normally find. And therefore, uh, you know, we still have more to learn and, and it's not a, a zero risk when, when you try these or if you try these. Um, and a lot of people do try them and want to try them and are interested in trying them. It, when, when people are, are looking for uh, something that will help boost their NAD levels, I know that you do not, um, you do not um, uh, endorse any product. Um, you're, you, you have said in your book you're not a doctor. You don't give suggestions on how to do this. But if people are trying to do their own research and, and get their own information, um, what, what should they look for? What kind of articles? What kind of research? Um, what will tell people more about this? Right. Uh, so the, the summary of what I could put down on paper um, is at the end of my book. So that's all written out. But the, the main things to look for are uh, high-grade high supplements. That's always a good rule. High-percentage materials, so you don't want a mixture of things. You want 98% or more. Um, and also there's what's called GMP-grade, um, good manufacturing practices, which means the company is following the letters of the law and making sure that things are clean. And I always look for that as well. Let's talk a little bit about the book, Lifespan, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have To. And and I listened to the audio version of this book. I, I am going to get the print version as well because I'd like to use it as a reference. But I, I really enjoyed the audio version uh, because you would have these discussions with um, your co-writer, Matthew LaPlante, at the end of each chapter. Um, tell me about the process of writing that book. Was it difficult taking all of your research in a lab and trying to distill it uh, for someone who maybe doesn't have a, a medical or a research background. Uh, I loved it. It was one of the most thrilling things I've ever done. I'm, I'm naturally a teacher and a communicator. That's why I became a professor and why I didn't go to Wall Street. Um, but really, it was, it was really a joy working with Matthew. And he would come visit me. He lives in Utah. He's a professor there. And, but he's a journalist. He doesn't know science the way I do. But together we brainstormed, we did whiteboarding, and we put together uh, something that neither of us could have done alone. Um, but it really was a lot of work. I would be uh, talking to him on my way home in the car, and uh, we hired an illustrator to to put a glossary in the back, and also we have uh, pictures throughout. Um, I don't know if you, Christina, downloaded the PDF, but there's a PDF on my book website, which you can look at, that helps explain the, the research. But I, I think we distilled it down to a, a way that everyone can understand. Um, and so we use a lot of analogies as well. Um, our body might be considered like a, a DVD that gets scratched and we're looking for the polish to get back the, the beautiful symphony of our lives, that kind of thing. But yeah, I've, I've loved it. Um, you know, I'm probably going to do this again uh, when I can find the time. Um, but also one of the things just to finish up on this point is I wanted it to be really useful. So there's a, a large number of references. So if, if anyone wants to look deeper into a comment that I made or uh, a fact, 
they can do that. It's all there in the book. Well, yeah. I, in fact, I talked to my my seventy three year old mother, and I I told her she should read the book, and she did. And and she and I both marveled at. It seemed like every other paragraph you were mentioning a study or a researcher or a university that was working on something. So I mean, everything is so well referenced uh, throughout throughout the book. Um, and you said you do, you do want to do it again. Yeah, actually, there's there's a lot more uh, that isn't yet on the page, uh, and some exciting things. Um, I'm not going to reveal yet what I'm going to write about, uh, but I've got some good ideas. And Matthew and I are planning on joining forces again because we both really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. In, in the book, you also, um, besides all of the science, uh, you you do a fair amount of discussion on um, social issues, issues of the environment, issues of overpopulation. Uh, you know, critics say, why do we want to extend life? Because it's going to lead to overpopulation. Um, and and you, you spend a lot of time talking about each one of those. Were those difficult subjects to delve into as the majority of your life is, you know, in the lab on very, you know, um, quantitative, hard numbers. Was it hard to get into more of those social issues and, and your personal feelings and discussion on them? It, it wasn't difficult at all because um, I'm not really a scientist. Um, I, my mission is to change people's lives and, and getting a PhD and studying the molecules is just part of that process. And so I've always thought about the planet and humanity and families and the, the economy. Um, so this isn't foreign to me. It's just uh, people don't think of me that way typically when they think of a professor of uh, molecular biology. And I've been giving talks my whole life, and I love doing it. And every time I, I give a talk, there are these questions that come from the audience. David or Professor Sinclair, what's going to happen when this comes true? Um, and I've been forced um, willingly uh, to, to look into it. And I also am working with economists I talk with politicians, and so this is really, I'm no stranger to thinking on a global scale. But what I, I really loved writing about was that when you crunch the numbers about population, the economy, um, and quite honestly, the, the, the cost savings that are going to happen when people live healthier for longer, um, it's a much better world than the one we live in right now. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that we we really need to get this healthcare thing figured out because one of the points in your book that just kind of struck me was, you know, the U.S. spends so much money, public and private money, to come up with these breakthroughs, but who has access to them really? I mean, insurance companies don't want to pay for them, and it's difficult for the average person to get access to some of this. It is, and and so yeah, I I make that point where. What we don't want to happen is that these drugs are unaffordable to one half of the population or even 95%. We don't want this to be a rich person technology. And so I, I'm, I've, I've pledged to make my medicines that I'm working on available to everybody on the planet. Uh, I'm trying to make sure that they're going to be cheap. And it, it's sometimes difficult because because of the regulations that costs about a billion dollars to make a medicine. But my my intention is to be able to supply the world with these technologies. Um, and so I've, I've surrounded myself with drug developers and business people who are like-minded, that they're not doing this for the money. They're doing this because they really want to help people and the world. 
Who has been the most surprising uh, group of people or person that's reached out to you wanting more information? Oh, wow. I think it, if, if I listed off the names of people who I know and I talk to, you'd be shocked um, how many of the, the public figures uh, in the world I know personally. Of course, I'm not going to uh, you know, name drop, but I, I'm constantly talking to people uh, on all levels. Perhaps the, I mean, the funniest one was uh, an email from a father who needed help to extend the lifespan of his daughter's hamster. Uh, but usually they're not they're not that trivial. Usually somebody wants help with a, a sick love sick loved one or or with public policy that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I, I think that uh, you know if if I start mentioning the the, the people that speak to me then. You know, they won't be talking to me for much longer. Um, but every, everybody's interested in this topic once they understand the implications. And I do my best. I mean, every day I'm asked with hundreds of questions from people in, in the public. What should I do? How do I do it? Where do I get it? What does this mean? And I really, I do my best to, to answer everybody. And um, I know from the book that you um, you do take some of these supplements and you do follow a pretty uh, strict regimen. How are you feeling and how do you monitor your own health? Well, if I go crazy talking about this stuff, my colleagues think that I'm not a good scientist. Um, so I have to be careful, right? This is not a clinical trial. It's just a, a small personal experiment. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've been monitoring my myself for about 15 years now. My father, who's 80, has been doing the same. We're a bunch of scientists just trying to get by in the world and learn a bit more than we, than we would if we just sat back and waited. Um, and especially for someone who's in their 80s, you, you can't afford to wait, right? This technology will be, will be around after my father's in the ground if he doesn't do something. And so we've taken it upon ourselves to try some things that we think are extremely low risk um, because we know what What's going to happen if we don't? I mean, that's a certainty. Nobody gets gets out of this alive. And uh, currently getting old generally is not a pleasant thing. Uh, it's just that we tend to not think about it till it gets uh, till it's too late. But, yeah, we're all in good health. We're in perfect health, actually. My father is in perfect health at 80. No aches, no pains, no illness, which is remarkable because in my family, males typically – actually, he's the longest-lived male that we've ever known in our family – this might seem an unusual question, but I ask all of my guests this. Um, when you need to unplug or, or tap into your creativity, you need to think creatively, you need to, what do you do? What rituals do you follow? What is something that you do personally to kind of get in touch with your own creativity when you need to go there? That's a great question. I love it. Uh, one thing that most people don't know about me uh, is that I draw. I, I was going to be an artist. And so if you, if you get the book, and I really hope that everybody who's listening does, because I put a lot of effort, not just into the writing, but I drew a lot of the pictures in the book. And even though it doesn't say so, that's just a little secret between you and me. I drew the headshots, the faces of 30 of my colleagues and historical figures. It's in the back of the book. And I, could, I only had an hour to draw each one. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that's a little little insider, a bit of information. I love that. Oh, thank you for that. That's fantastic. 
Oh, I love it. Okay. So just because, just because you are from Australia and my daughter currently lives there, I have to ask, do you miss it? Do you get back quite a bit? Well, I, I help run a lab down there. So I, I think about it a lot and I talk with my students down there in Sydney where I grew up. Um, I used to go down more when my father wasn't as healthy as he is now. Uh, in his 70s, my father really didn't travel much and we all went down there. But now that he's seemingly even younger than he was 10 years ago, physically and mentally, and he's happier than he's ever been at 80, starting a new career and lots of friends, we just ask him to come over and see us, which we've just done yesterday, instead of going down there for a holiday. So yeah, I get down there maybe twice a year or maybe three times. Do I miss it? Um, I miss the lifestyle. I miss all my friends who I left back there. But, you know, I've, I've been so blessed to, to live in a country where uh, I can do these things, where I can make a living uh, exercising my curiosity. Um, and, you know, I have absolutely no regrets that I moved over here and have three wonderful American kids. And Boston, our home, is a wonderful city, too. Boston is lovely. Yes, my, my daughter's in Queensland and says she's, she's died and gone to heaven. She's not coming back to the U.S. She loves it there. <laughs> yeah, it's a great place to live. But Boston is unparalleled for doing the kind of things that I do. And Harvard University's pretty nice, too. Yes, it is the cream of the crop. It's fabulous. All right. Well, Dr. Um, David Sinclair, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate it. Um, author of Lifespan, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have to. Um, just a, a fantastic read. I cannot wait to find out what you're going to write about next and can't wait to get that book. Christina, thanks. I appreciate you having me on. I could have talked to Dr. Sinclair all day. His new book, Lifespan, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have To, is out now. There are PDFs to download that highlight his research. The supplements he talks about, NR, NMN, resveratrol, and the diabetic drug metformin, all being investigated in his lab now for possible links to longevity. Again, the easiest way we can all slow down our aging, says Dr. Sinclair, is fasting, getting out of our temperature comfort zone, and HIIT training. All of those stress the body into repairing DNA. I've been doing a little experimentation on myself with some of those, nothing dramatic to report so far, but someone in my family that's been uh, using resveratrol and NMN has reported increased energy. Don't know if that's tied to supplements yet. The jury's still out as it's only been about a month, but it's interesting. Thanks again for being here. Don't forget your mandatory training needs. Check out mycecourse.com. It's already the training company of preference for many government agencies and companies. Again, mycecourse.com. I provided a link in... uh, in my segment below. Also, don't miss the KFK Morning News Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. until 9 a.m. Sam Shane and me, we're just two journalists with about six decades of news experience between us talking about the news with you. It's a very different morning news program. Perspective, depth, analysis, and some fun. And if you're in Sacramento, it's 93.1 FM or 1530 AM or Find us anywhere in the world on the iHeartRadio app under KFBK. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Christina Mendonca. This has been a fresh agenda. Let's stay connected. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity. This is a fresh agenda.